Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor's going to distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.com. FM to get started. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries, and your number one source for after show entertainment. <laughs> TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Are you guys ready? Deep breaths, autumn meditation. Welcome back to AfterBuzz's Game of Thrones. We are here to talk about the season five finale, not properly titled A Mother's Mercy. I did not find it (laughs) merciful at all. We are arguing. I am stepping in a little bit to take the place of Mr. Kyle. We will miss him. We will all be somebody missing Ryan. I'm hearing more of our intro. Um, I'm your host, Sarah Stratton, and who do I have with us today? I am no one. You are no one? <laughs> Hi, my name is Dorian Taylor. I'm brand new. Hello, nice to meet you. And we're so happy to have you. And of course, who I normally sit next to, the lovely lady. I know, I miss you miss all me? the way over there. I'm Autumn Chickless, guys. How's it going? And Kristen, are you hey wearing guys. your sleeves? Got my sleeves. I've also got tissues. <laughs> I'm not as strong as I thought I was. But I am in the chat, and I'm ready to talk to you guys about this episode. <sighs> Try not yeah, to cry Let's too get much. into this. I mean, not oh, counting the hundreds of dead horses and nameless men and faceless <laughs> men, we have six, I think it's six official, maybe official, deaths to talk about today. Let's start about one that as Mr. Dorian put it, was a little bit more satisfying of a death. Um, Mr. Trant. Wow. I was, Mm. like, so happy because last week I was talking to you guys in the chat and I was like, is she going to use needle? Is she going to use poison? I mean, she didn't use either, but, like, I was happy that she took, like, a little uh, sword to him. Like, that was amazing. (laughs) You mean, like, a literal little sword for a second? I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, I was glad he took a little bit of a sword to him. Like, a little bit. She mauled him. That was aggressive (laughs) hacking. That may be my favorite death ever. It would be. It would be your favorite death ever. But that being said, it was satisfying. It was gruesome to state the complete obvious, but it was, um, of all of the deaths, that was the one where I was kind of like... It was very much a, if I could imagine a death on Game of Thrones, i pick this one. Just like eyes and really going for it. It was a lot. Yeah, that was a lot. I thought going for the eyes was wonderful, but going into this episode, we had talked about Everyone was supposing last week that Arya was going to end up killing Trant and that it was going to come across with her being one of his prostitutes and it was going to be gruesome and horrible. But I thought this scene came, while the death was satisfying, very quickly. We didn't get to see a lot of plotting. And I'm wondering if that's why it was so (laughs) force-fed last week that everyone knew what was going to happen. That being said, how quickly did you guys anticipate it being Arya? Well, pretty immediately, especially with the whip. As soon as we saw the whip go out, my mind obviously went to her training and the fact Mm -hmm. that, you know, uh, truths versus lies. She has kind of been, she's been taking a lot of whipping recently, so it wouldn't be uh, that difficult for her to kind of maintain her composure in that situation. So uh, pretty much immediately I knew that it was going to be Arya. I, I thought it was, I thought the the hanging of, like, the ring-like hair was yeah. very, like, worrisome and also made me raise my eyebrows a little bit. But what I didn't like was that she is kind of standing in between this line of being, one, a servant of the Faceless God, and of being Arya Stark. Because we had supposed she might use Needle and what that would mean. And she doesn't use Needle, but she does say... I'm Arya. And then she says to him that you are no one, which is what she's supposed to be seeking, what she's supposed to be going after. That's supposed to be her personal goal. But she stands up and she's like, this is my name. You are no one. And then, of course, we see her go back to the hall of faces in the 
I don't even know what else to call it. <laughs> and fame, I guess. What do you think? How do you think her standing with the faceless men is now going to go? I, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that what's happened here is that we have reached absolution. Like, she is no one, and it was awful and gruesome, but there's no way that anything that, like, we kind of want to happen on this show would happen nicely and calmly. Like, if she was going to become no one, it was going to be this horrifying thing where, like, she can't see, and we don't really know what's going on with her. Yeah, and- what exactly do you guys think is happening? I, do you think it's limited to her eyes and her sight? Like, is she mm-hmm. going to lose this one element of herself? Or is that kind of like the one part that we see of what will ultimately be a transformation come the mm. next season? You know what I mean? The the, the people in the chat are saying um, banned T5. He mentioned that the way that Arya stabbed the guy with the shank in oh, the yeah, eyes. Maybe yeah. that's why she's going blind. I, I but think that's, that's a good parallel, especially because it Absolutely. was very targeted to the eyes first. Mm-hmm. But I was confused because we see who we thought was Jiran Hagar poison himself, yes. and then she like laments over his death, and then he plays this weird like mind trick on her that I literally thought Arya was going insane, and then she goes blind. Right. Like, how many punishments do you have to do for killing right. a horrible person? Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, is she... Everyone in the chat seems to be happy that she did kill Marin Trent. I know we are, too. But now, do you guys think that she's blind? She's going to be blind well, now that, well, going that was, forward? That was my question. Is it is she going to be blind going forward? Did we just see a very small part of what will be a greater transformation? And, what, like, will we open on next season with Arya being something else that other than what we know? Are we going to see that her but blind is she no one at this point even though that's kind of what she was seeking originally i wasn't a hundred percent didn't isn't she going there to become nowhere is the girl because it seems like what she wants is revenge like to learn how to be this amazing badass assassin that i think i mean we kind of all wanted her to be this badass assassin there's this theme in particular in this episode where you kind of see what revenge costs people yes yes and Mm -hmm. in this her seeking revenge costs her some sort of standing with the faceless men. But she's punished. She's punished by they mentally mess with her and they physically mess with her. Yeah. I do think she's going to be blind. Silver lining of this, I'm hoping she just becomes, like, takes on the daredevil persona and just becomes an even better fighter being blind. And then I think what we can take away is that she can gain it back. I don't think that this is a permanent thing. I think that she'll be able to gain this sight back. I also think losing sight is a very symbolic thing to lose. And in a girl who we've seen character arc after character arc after, like, her pattern goes like this, up and down, for every season. And we just see, keep seeing her grow. I think that she's lost her way. She doesn't really know what to follow. Is it death? Is it the faceless men? Is it her revenge? Is it who she is? I think this mm-hmm. blindness could be symbolic of it. So yeah, I'm very interested to see where that goes next season. Yeah, and yeah. in a much more kind of immediate, because you were talking about all the many mm-hmm. character arcs of Arya Stark slash soon-to-be-no-one slash what have you. Um, <laughs> just immediately the fact that she was given a task and she lost sight of that task and so it would make sense that the immediate punishment after that would be you lost your sight, you lost your purpose then alright I'm going to literally take away your sight so that would make kind of a metaphorical, uh, metaphoric sense but right. yeah, we'll the see. people in the chat don't think that she's blind uh, it's just temp- temporary. temporary right? Yeah. that's what they're saying I mean, we will. and they also, uh, Ryan Malady is in the chat with us hi, hi. Ryan. we miss you you. Brian, can you write in all caps? <laughs> it's hard to catch your comments. <laughs> we will we will call out all of, we'll try and call out what Ryan says because we love his opinion and love we him. do miss him. And on that note, maybe we should head over to someone else. A very awkward staircase meeting. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> such a great establishing shot of like, and this awkward triangle here on the stairs. Like, yeah. oh man. Not only was it set up great, but they also, the introductory question of, so you love her. <laughs> and then we get the faces of, of course, Jora and this is Tyrion, and we're talking about Dario Harris. Mm-hmm. Dario, what were you about to say? Did you find this conversation awkward, or are you just happy yeah. about it? No, of course it was awkward. I mean, I just thought it was hilarious when we were watching it. You know, oh, do you love her? Well, you first of all, he already knows the answer to that question, because he said it multiple times mm-hmm. now. He's... It's uh, it's really rhetorical. I don't know what he meant to gain by asking mm-hmm. it. He knows. 
Um, the, yeah, the whole scene was kind of, um, so now what? <laughs> what do, how do we go about this? And it was awkward that I was surprised Tyrion was so quick to try to establish some kind of dominance. Yeah. Like, I, normally I'd feel like he's smarter than that, than to try... He's... He escaped death. Okay, good. But he shouldn't be pushing it, especially not with the queen there. The funny part, though, is if you include everyone in this room, especially when you bring Grey Worm and Sandy in, Mm -hmm. who does, of all these people there, really have the queen's trust in all things, whether it be diplomacy, strategy, war, for the people... And I don't think it was any of the men on the stairs. I actually don't think it was any of the men in the room. I think it's Miss Sandy. Not even a question. Mm -hmm. Right. Of course. She's the one who's there through all of it. And her introduction was in it through Slaver's Bay, through slavery, through dealing with Krasnus. Like, she knows what rulers do, what masters do. And she is the one who probably has has gained the most wisdom. Because she's just, she's the fly on the wall. Yeah. -hmm. I mean, Dario even points it out. He says that Mm -hmm. she's the confidant, she's the person to go to. Yeah. Uh, completely. And so they come out with this new arrangement. Our awkward man duo <laughs> is going to go off and find um, their queen, although they don't know where she is except for North. Yeah, and but even, even that's not a particularly good guess because when you're on the back of a dragon... That yeah, they, she could theoretically be anywhere. I it's a valiant effort to try to go out and find the person who rode away on the back mm-hmm. of a dragon, but I don't know if they necessarily have the best indication of where she is. I agree. I also think I could almost put it to the level of I think it's completely pointless. Yeah, because it's going to take you a hundred times longer to get to wherever she is than for them just to fly back. Or to fly anywhere else. Well, she's in trouble now, but it's like, what can Jorah and Dario do with that army of, are we assuming, Dothraki? We're, I'm assuming Dothraki. I think this is the another Kalasar. Obviously, a huge, very well-organized Kalasar. Beautiful nice. horse formations. Yeah, it was, yeah. you know, <laughs> a lot of... This, it kind of reminded me of Lord of the Rings. I when they, like, do the spiral around, um, I think it's, what, it's Gimli and... Oh, man. Like, um, said, anyway, Lord of the Rings reference. But remind me of their formation. Going back a little bit, before we completely leave the city, we have new people in charge. Because yeah. while they're going to go off on this completely hopeless mission <laughs> to find them in no one's land, Grey Worm, Miss Sandy... And Tyrion are left in charge of the huge city that's being ripped apart. Yeah, that's yeah. going to be really, really interesting. Um, thank goodness for the entrance of Varys. <laughs> I know, my favorite bromance. I love the two of them. I just want the two of them to like go away together and like just sit on an island and drink for the rest of their lives. That's just kind of what I want for them. That's what I wish for them. But anyway, I think that because the awkward trio of... Tyrion, Grey Worm, and Missandei. I don't <laughs> love triangle question mark. I don't think so. I, I feel like that's more like a third wheel situation, frankly, for Tyrion. But um, that trio, I can't imagine them getting too much done. Just the three of them, for some reason. Maybe it's because I just can't imagine there being any... The thing about Tyrion is he's so smart. Mm-hmm. But this is a group of people that he literally has trouble communicating with. And with that language barrier and the cultural barrier, it won't be as easy for him to be able to manipulate in the way that he's so used to in a situation that he has been brought up in. So now that he has a companion who is who has his best interest in mind, understands hopefully. him, hopefully, <laughs> I, that, that will be the last straw for me, damn it. If, if that bromance breaks up in betrayal, I will just, nothing is real and love is not true. But um, <laughs> many of you guys know what I'm saying, right? Completely. Yeah. I think that you made a good point where what really can this group of three musketeers do in controlling the city? On the other hand, I do have to kind of be an advocate for Tyrion, just because he is constantly given, like, the hand of cards that's just messed up, and he's like, win, it's like, win with these cards. You have no aces, no royals, but, but win. And And he does. And he does that when he was given, like, when he was appointed to stand in for, like, Hand of the King, when he had to deal with Joffrey, who wouldn't listen to anyone, when he was given Master of Coin, despite the fact that, of course, the crown is 
just swamped in debt. Like, he's constantly given these tasks mm-hmm. that are nearly impossible, but as he said in this episode, he survives. Guys, and we like him. Yeah, I agree. Two questions from the chat. We have Bennett, and he wants to know if you guys think Varys is behind the heartbeat. I'm so glad somebody asked that. Mm-hmm. I was wondering the same thing. I hope not, but I was curious when they just did this shot of, surprise, Varys! Surprise, I'm here! What's he been doing there? Like, how long did it take him to get there? What's he been doing? I mm, I hope he's not in charge of the Sons of the Heartbeat, because he's either... He could be a person who could really, really help to solve that problem. Like, he's, he has enough yeah. information and the manpower to solve a problem like that, or just as easily to cause it. I think he definitely caused it. I mean, I don't think the Harpy is just some rebel group that we don't know that came out of nowhere. I don't think so. They they had such a serious attack on Danny. I sorry, I can tell you don't agree, but I don't know. I think Varys definitely had a hand in it. Or at least he knew. He at least knew about it. Knew about it, sure. But what, my question is, what would be his ultimate motivation to to get Danny out of the city? I mean, now he's in no, charge. But see, I will, I think I know where Autumn's going with this. Is that what we've been told over this whole past season four? Is that we found out that Varys has been rooting for Danny. All along, that he was the one who set up the exactly. arrangement of, of Valerio when she met Cal. Like he's been rooting for her to become into power and yes. make an army. Unless he thought, "Oh, I just want her to sacrifice this city and not get hurt." Maybe you could swing that motivation. But if you're going to say he's trying to uproot everything she has, he like they're responsible for carrying mm-hmm. Sir Barristan. They're responsible. Which I mean, I guess you could see why Varys might want Sir Barristan dead. They're responsible for hurting Grey Worm. Yeah. Like, she almost, I mean, let's not forget last episode where if it weren't for the excellent dragon appearance that Varys is definitely not in charge of, she would have died. She very easily could. That could have been the end of Khaleesi, and I would have been distraught. Not that I'm not right now, trust me. I'm going to be going into some serious, isolated mourning after this. But I would, the point is, he would, she easily could have died last season. If it, mm-hmm. uh, season, last episode. Last episode, if it weren't for this almost fluke. So, to say that he has this control and is trying to help her by killing her potentially, you know? Yeah, what I mean? isn't it kind of weird that Varys shows up right after Danny isn't there? You know? Very, very strange. The people it is. in the chat are annoyed that we're continuing to go on because nope. they're like, no, yeah. he's not, it's not him. And then well, people are backfiring we and saying, have, you can't believe his lies. We will have to wait. I'm sure we will get into it, I guess, next season. Don't talk to me about that. I'm so miserable. <laughs> Anyway, let's move on a little bit to Daenerys, who now yeah, has surrounded herself by not Sons of the Harpy, but Dothrakis. And yes, as you were mentioning, please point out what you said during while we watched this. Oh, no, no, no. I was just, because, like, I mentioned this a lot. If you blink in this episode, you miss things that could potentially mm-hmm. mean everything. Um, obviously, she drops this ring, and I couldn't tell if it was from her right or left hand, but it appeared to be. And tell people in the chat, please, like, confirm or deny this yeah, for me. We're wondering. They said yeah. the ring was the from Drogo. That, well, oh. that was my question. It does was, not Drogo. It's not from Drogo. Drogo never gave no, her no, no, a ring. No, he ring gave her from, a horse. It would be from yeah. um, his daughter. Uh, Zalorith. Well, that was my right? question, is if it's a wedding ring, because if it was Dothraki, I feel like she would have kept it. Because any ties that she has, yes, she is a widow of the of a Dothraki, but she was the queen mm-hmm. uh, with, like, she ha- there was a significance there, and they, res- if, unless I'm losing, there was respect there. Yeah. So I feel like that would be a card that she would want to play in that situation, but the fact that she drops it leads me to believe that it ties her back to, to his star. Yes. I think it is, I think when you said it, I thought at first my first inclination was like, oh, get rid of all the jewelry so you don't get, I don't know, like become a bigger target. But when you said engagement ring, I was like, completely correct. I think as a woman, although last time she was surrounded by people, she like closed her eyes and a dragon showed up and that didn't seem to happen, which we just learned that lesson last week. I don't oh. know why it didn't happen again. Eric Reed says maybe it was a way to find her, so she was dropping it for like Jorah or somebody coming to find her. That's I like that. Inter- that's interesting. I like it. I don't know if that would. I mean, she would need a lot of sense in that moment. It like don't. Mm. It's that's very possible to me. Mm-hmm. It seemed like her basically going, getting rid of any ties that would make me look like a Dothraki enemy, 
or someone who... Or making myself available to make negotiations on new alliances. Yeah, people in the chat... Yeah, sex. People in the chat are saying yeah. his dar gave her the That's ring. Obviously, thing. Dothraki don't give rings. And no. I didn't think it looked Dothraki at all. It was like all pearls no. and silvery. Definitely getting rid of the ring. Dothraki would totally tattoo a ring on or something. Right. You know, he gave no, no, her a horse. Trogo got sentimental. Yeah. He got into... Um, <laughs> she some pearls. No. Um, well, we will find out what Danny does. She is no longer Drogon. It's chilling on a warm patch of dirt that he's made himself, not being of any use. And she has some new horse people to deal yeah, with. Yeah, though he was... Uh, I mentioned this while we were watching. It was such like a teenage, rebellious brat, I just want to sleep moment. It was... I don't know. That's immediately all I thought of was like... Teenage I, dragon problems. Yeah, like teenage dragon problems. Like, you, know, <laughs> you know what I like is that finally she, she doesn't have any council members, so she's really gonna have to use her own mindset at this point. Which I'm thrilled of because the... That's Dan- been a complaint this whole season, is that she hasn't been making actions to deserve the title she has. We got to see Danny go through everything with the Kalasar, earning respect there, bearing her dragons, conquering city after city, and people have not been happy with what she's been doing this season. Mm-hmm. Some people are saying that, did she really deserve for this bond with Drogon to reappear? Like, right. did she do anything to activate that? I'm not sure I agree. I'm still her, a fan of her. I was not unsatisfied with her this season but some people were and now she has the opportunity to regain the show loves cycles like mm-hmm. there's always they love to put people in situations they've been in before under new circumstances and this is a really this is a prime opportunity yeah. for Danny to really show everything she's learned hopefully or hasn't we'll see and has she found a new army someone in the chat mentioned oh. could be let's keep going let's move to another area we have goodbye Daenerys till next season and let's oh. go over to Dorn. <laughs> oh dear! Oh dear! We all we all called it, yeah. Because you know, obviously, when you kiss someone for that long, <laughs> there is ulterior motives. Yes, obviously. <laughs> the rules of the Godfather say. <laughs> yeah, it's one. Of, it's one of two things, and we already know that it's not one. So it's got to be the other, and it's got to be the kiss of death. <sighs> I mean, quick scene. Also, what sealed that information for me was yes, the kiss of death looked horrible, but also when you get the red. Like the redemption um, scene yeah. Yeah. between Marcella and Jamie, then you just go, mm, "What bad's about to happen?" Something. By the way, that conversation. Can we talk about that yes, awkward please. conversation? What did you call it? Oh, Jamie's fantastic birds and the bees. Just the most twisted birds and the bees <laughs> talk ever. Yeah. Like so. Listen, when a when a twin brother and sister love each other very much. Um, yeah, that was that was a conversation that. Uh, Went surprisingly well until it didn't, obviously. Mm-hmm. So we do get the ad- hello. We do get everyone <laughs> admitting what is going on, but Marcella, of course, says she knows since the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I think this is going to be the only positive reaction we see to Jamie's relationship with Cersei ever. Yeah. I think she's going to be the only yeah. person who's ever right. happy about it. I think. I don't think Tommen's going to be happy. I don't think anyone else is going to be happy oh, for this. Oh, Tristan. Because um, now he's a player in this. He's not going to be happy with his family. Are they going back to Dorna or are they going to continue? I hope that Bronn sees what's happening to Marcella because he knows that she needs the cure and that the Sand Snakes have it. Mm-hmm. And he has a girlfriend who clearly will give it to him. <laughs> well, here, here's, the, here's the thing, though, is do they have... Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all these shows for you free is by our amazing sponsors, and today Spotify is one of our sponsors. On Spotify, you can listen to all of your favorite artists and podcasts in one place for free. You don't even need a premium account. Spotify has a huge catalog of podcasts on every topic, including the one you're listening to right right now. On Spotify, you can follow your favorite podcast so you don't miss an episode. Premium users can even download episodes to listen to offline, wherever they are, and you can easily share what you're listening to with all your friends and following on Instagram. If you haven't done so already, be sure to download the Spotify app and search for AfterBuzz TV on Spotify, or browse podcasts in the Your Library tab. Also, make sure you follow us so you never miss an episode of AfterBuzz TV. Time. I don't think they have time. I think the implication yeah. is that she's dead. A lot of people because, in the chat think that she's dead. Yeah, I mean, because we saw... So, by the way, it, now it officially makes sense why they had that scene. Because I remember earlier we were talking about, um, a few episodes ago, how that scene with Bronn seemed gratuitous. And how, they, if they were going to let him live, why Brave, did they have that, kind like... kind of pointless. Yeah, like, super 
also awesome tension scene, but kind of pointless. It wasn't pointless. I think it was to show us, exemplify how quickly this poison works, and mm-hmm. that there is an anecdote, uh, anecdote, <laughs> antidote, but it needs to happen immediately. They don't have time. She's dead, I think. What will you guys yeah. think if they don't go back to Dorne and they keep going to King's Landing? Well, what happens if well, they do go they, back? To- they're obviously going to want revenge. Like, Jamie's not just mm-hmm. going to be like, oh, my daughter's dead. Let's go back. I'm going to take Cersei, our dead daughter. Yeah. yeah. They're no going back to Dorne. Well, what what can they say? Well, no, no, you know what? I take that back immediately. There's a lot they can say. Like, hey, here's the corpse. Unless Tristan blames Jamie or something. Mm. Which I don't think he would. No. But I don't think so either. I like to think more highly of him, but still. Well, there goes the plan to make Tristan part of the small council and everyone happy. Yeah, and by so the way, of course Dorne we go. Yeah, of course Tommen isn't gonna be happy or about um Tommen has very little things to be happy about at the moment. Yeah, He's not a happy camper. Absolutely, but that illegitimizes his claim to the throne immediately. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he'd be the least pleased to hear that news. Most pleased, Bronn. But <laughs> <laughs> we can probably move on a little bit. Let's go over to King's Landing, where our party is no longer going. I thought we were going to have m- more people getting back to the heart of Westeros, but mm-hmm. guess not. Instead, we get Cersei with... On her knees. Oh, yeah. On her knees, confessing. Do you guys, first of all, believe her confession is sincere? No. I just feel like she would do anything to get back to her son. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I don't think it's sincere. And I feel like, you know, I did feel bad for her watching that whole scene. But at the end of the day, we have to remember that she's the reason for that happening to herself. And she's lying in her own bed. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Difficult because obviously it was a very hard scene to sit through. Um, not, I, I like, I just want to point out it's not completely far fetched. Public shaming is a very real and legitimate thing. And in a, different cultures do it to varying degrees. Some actually argue that Twitter is a form of public shaming, interestingly enough. I would agree with that. Um, and <laughs> so, you know what? Sometimes it totally can be. But, um, I'll yeah. take the word Twitter shaming over this horrible, yeah, horrible Yeah, but that, that's kind of my point is I'll take, I'll take some uh, haterade versus mm-hmm. whatever, what, what we just saw. And um, I don't think that her confession was legitimate because or sincere because she would have admitted to Jamie if it was really sincere. Okay. So we do get this evidence. We do get the very graphic, very long scene of her walking yeah. from the from the sept to the red keep. It's awful. People are shouting at her. I thought that watching it was very emotional. I thought that they really went there with this yeah. scene. Um also Great job, Talena. Like, yeah, it was. It made my skin crawl. Mm-hmm. What I want to know is how much this change, if this will change her for the better, or just amplify the Cersei we've seen, yeah. who is filled with hatred and revenge and the need for power. She just got the strongest chess piece on the board. Yeah, her silent giant Frankenstein creature. And what is she going to do with him? What is this? What is this experience done to Cersei? Yeah. I, I mean, for me, anytime I've gone through <laughs> talking personally something like this, <laughs> kidding. Um, I feel like it really wakens you up to what's important in life. So I'd really love to see her character change, but the way she was being carried by that creature just seemed evil and demonic, and like war was coming. Right? Yeah. I yeah. mean, they really stripped her. Um, all my cinephiles out there, there is um, a movie, and I kind of pointed this out earlier. There's a movie, I'm trying to remember the year, but the the original Joan of Arc, where they have a scene in the prison where they are cutting her hair and she's crying in the prison cell during... Silent Black and White? Yes. And it's incredibly powerful. Wonderful performance. Yeah, I know. um, But the image when they were in the um, cell cutting her hair and her crying was very very similar to the point where it almost felt like an homage which regardless of whether or not it is there if let's say it is the statement of the powerful woman standing up for what she believes to be the truth or her own truth regardless of whether or not that is legitimate mm-hmm. i guess if you're going to tie that if you're going to make a parallel to cersei 
we're going to see her go back to her old ways twofold. Because mm-hmm. Joan of Arc is a woman who confessed and then revoked that confession in the same way that Cersei could easily have confessed yeah. and now revoke her confession. There's also, yes, I completely agree with the Joan of Arc, especially if you haven't seen seen that film. Go look. It's great silent. It's excellent it's great silent performance, feature. too. Um, on top of that, the religious undertones of the walking through the streets of the stripped-down feet and the blood and the shaming and, at the end, the carrying mm-hmm. by a, as almost like a babe mm-hmm. to something else. We'll see what incites in Cersei, but she's back in a seat of power, and she has some words to have with Tommen eventually. <laughs> what right. do you think she's going to do with... Um Marjorie. We haven't seen Marjorie in a while. That's true. We haven't seen Marjorie or Loras in a while. Yeah. And it is very interesting to me that they wouldn't have confessed anything. Because they're supposedly awaiting trial. Also, we were told about a trial, what, five episodes ago? Four episodes ago yeah. for Marjorie Tyrell and Loras? Haven't seen it. And now we've been told we're going to have another trial for Cersei. Yeah. So are we going to see an alliance made where now they can fight together? Because Cersei's been stripped down so far, or she's still going to need this power and control and just fight for herself. Yeah, it seems like everyone is expecting Cersei to get revenge next season. And I mean, she's got the shaved head now, she's on her way. <laughs> there is also a little finger card hanging around King's Landing, if I'm not mistaken, no, which is right. always interesting, because he's always, like you... We have yet to establish exactly what side he's working for other than purely himself. Right. And now Cersei has a lot of power and a lot of interesting motives. She has a lot of weird things that she wants to make happen, and he's a person who specializes in making weird things happen. That's true. That could be interesting. Well, especially now with the stripping down of her, I guess. When people are put in that position, you're right, Kristen. It can either make them see the light, if you will, or makes them twice as hateful. And if this makes her twice as hateful, which my personal prediction, it will, I think Littlefinger is going to come into play. I think, obviously, big giant chess piece monster-esque <laughs> thing. We'll have to which, come way, up with what to call no him. One, is no one questioning the fact that there's just this thing that's like three times the size of everyone else in the room with like black and blue who won't tell. Like, no one's just well, saying it, anything. I think they all are just going to acknowledge that it's a mountain, but the mountain has a vow of silence or something. I mean, he's too big to ignore. Um, on top of that, what, his entrance at this point, we've been building up to that all season. Yeah. I kind of felt like it was overshadowed completely by Cersei's scene. Mm-hmm. A lot of people in the chat have, or on our videos, you guys have commented that one of the predictions was that this creature was going to come into play in some sort of another, like, trial by combat, which I guess is still possible because we have mm-hmm. trials to do. But did you did you feel like the entrance of the creature lived up to everything we've seen? I liked the fact that it was overpowered by something else. I don't I don't know why exactly I can't put my finger on it. But I li- just from a dramatic standpoint, I liked the fact that his entrance is almost in service to Cersei. And um, basically it was said that he is there to kill her enemies, which we know she has a few now. She has mm-hmm. a list of her own. I mean, going back to even some of the first appearances of the mountain, there is kind of this connection between them or an alliance. There is some sort of unspoken bond between them. Even, like, the mountain a couple of actors back had that scene where he was just <laughs> smashing people in the courtyard, and she comes out, and they seem to have at least some kind of understanding. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Even this mountain-esque type thing might have the same... Uh, well, she is another person pledging themselves to her and her rule. Let's, unless we have anything else to say about Cersei, maybe we should move on to, let's go to Winterfell. Okay. And we do have a huge battle, or kind of huge battle. Wait, we, to- haven't, we haven't talked about um, the opening, though. We haven't talked about Stannis yet. No, we're going to get to that, probably. I was going to start with Sansa. And what's okay. going on within Winterfell, and then expand okay. to everything going on cool, cool. outside on the grounds. So starting with Sansa, who finally uses her weird corkscrew thing to break out, light a candle in the window, which doesn't come to fruition, runs into Theon and Miranda. Mm-hmm. 
Miranda, with her lovely hunting prowess that she's gained from previous episodes, holds a bow at her, attempting to kill, of course, all of us were screaming, or I at least was in my head, screaming to push her off of the Yeah, you railing. said it a few times. Like, push her off, throw her off! Throw her off the rail! <laughs> Eventually does. Did you feel, did you guys feel that Theon's final turn, which we get, to standing up for Sansa was deserved, was motivated, because I feel like Sansa's asked him multiple times to be on her side. Mm-hmm. What was the breaking point that caused it finally now? I think he obviously wouldn't let her die. But, or be hurt. But death wasn't on death wasn't on the table. Because Miranda said that she couldn't kill Sansa. Ramsey she wasn't there, torture though. Her. That is true. I think Ramsey is like the one that holds the whip in this case, and if he would have been present, I don't think that Theon would have done it, but... But Theon does get the nice proxy of she's bad. She's really, really bad. Right. And I think he does have this opportunity to at least vent some of that emotion for himself if he doesn't get to kill Ramsay, which... Maybe? Fingers crossed? <laughs> yeah. Fingers, I was hoping that would happen this episode. Yeah. A lot of people were with <laughs> Yeah. I know. Seriously. But um, I think it was. It made sense to me. It mm-hmm. didn't feel forced. I feel like he was... I mean, Miranda taunts her with this kind of the images of basically Ramsey's going to maim you. And Theon knows how bad it gets. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that must have triggered, that could easily have triggered something even though he knew the consequences. I think that them being immediately in front of them and the -hmm. fact that it was going to happen to her, it became a very do or die situation. Mm -hmm. And people put in any, uh, you know, myriad situations will react differently depending on the stimulus. It felt justified to me, and I, I cheered. I was so thrilled to see I'm, him finally do something. I was thrilled. I even, and I am someone who, like, wasn't sure that Theon would ever redeem himself mm-hmm. in my eyes. I'm still not sure. Mark like, wants I, to know if we've forgiven him. That's what I was kind of going to get to. I, I will say you know? that I was fine with him taking her hand. It was a little awkward, and I hope that there's no type of romance or anything ever. I also don't th- think Theon's going to make it that far. I'm fine with him trying to gain redemption. I have not yet completely forgiven him. I think now, I, what, what I, the way that I saw this scene in a lot of ways was this what, This scene was the death of Reek, in the sense that this whole season we've been building the Theon back in Theon, mm-hmm. and I don't think even the question of whether we've forgiven Theon is up for debate because he hasn't been Theon for seasons now. We've just seen Theon go away. And I think now we finally have an opportunity in this next season with whatever, if they're still alive because they jumped off that super tall wall, Mm -hmm. of now if we want this to happen, we can start talking about Theon because Theon seems to be back in the equation. Yeah, and you talk about it, the betrayal, the really, the season of betrayal was season two. Mm. We are just finished season five. The hate for Theon has carried on <laughs> this long. I'm not forgiving him, but I am willing to say he can make steps. I haven't forgiven. No. I'm kind of. I'm kind of with you on this, where it, it hasn't felt like Theon for a long time. This was the death of Reek, absolutely, mm-hmm. and I was thrilled to see that. And I was willing to not necessarily forgive this new Theon, but to root for him for Sansa's sake in that moment. Okay. And Kristen, do you have any feelings about where you stand with Theon? I don't think we need to call him Reek anymore, at least. You know what? I feel like he's going to continue to help Sansa if he doesn't give his life for her mm-hmm. before that. You know, mm-hmm. it, I, even if it, we open up, I don't, I don't know exactly where we'll open up, but you know, it'd be her on top of him in the snow power or whatever. Like, I feel like he's definitely going to be her pillow now, you know, for her to fall on because he owes it to her. Yeah, and good job, Game of Thrones, because that, to me, is a very big twist because all this time we've been led to believe that the person who is going to stand up for Sansa was going to be Brienne. Yeah. And we get that for me, I'm going to call it a horrible moment when ju- she's been standing there waiting for this candle in the window, and right as we know it's about to happen, she gets word that 
Stannis is on his way. The one person who can tear her away from that freaking window. Yes. And now we can get into a little bit of more, as I was saying, about what is happening with Stannis that has now led him to Winterfell. Oh. We get the scene. Everyone, applaud Adam for being correct. Oh. We're going to rub it in Kyle's face. No. Kyle? Kyle, darling, I love you so, so, so much. <laughs> you are wrong! I told you so. No, no. I mean, all seriousness, I totally understood. I totally understand where, where he was coming from. We're thinking that it might kind of incite faith. But come on. I, and everyone's entitled to their opinion, and I know I, ta- I talked about how, like, child burning is bad. Yes, I know, and I understand that he felt like he was pushed against a wall, but regardless of whether or not you think so, a bunch of men are not going to watch a young child burn in the name of a god most of them probably don't necessarily know and not desert him. And as they established by the uh, wonderful going through a camp where people are coughing mysteriously scene, morale is low. That's Whenever yeah. morale is low in an army, there are people coughing... It's not clear what they have, but they're coughing, and we realize things are bad at camp. Dorian, yeah. if you weren't clear what happened, Autumn totally predicted that people were going to desert, and Kyle was like, no, he has the loyalty. This is a strong king. Ah, so okay. there was division amongst us last week. Of course, now not only does he lose his men, but he also loses Melisandre. I did not think that was... Or I did not realize that that was going to happen. I did not think about that. Um... When they said that she left, I didn't think that he actu- she actually left until the final scene, which we will get to right now. Well, we can, before we get to the final scene, we can also talk, he lost Melisandre, he lost the men, and he lost his wife, uh-huh. Salise, who I believe was actually our first death of the evening. Salise um, was number one suicide um, horrible death. I think that a lot of people understand why, because they sacrificed their daughter, which is, um, anyway, so we just, he loses everything. Yeah. Stannis loses everything for the battle and decides to still go into it. I also didn't expect Melisandre to leave, but I wanted to recall what was said when Melisandre entered the picture, which was she told Stannis before he would rise up and become the Winter King, he was going to have to sacrifice um, his beliefs. She she mentions his family. So she already predicted this and still defies him and leaves. Do you think... Do you think she's questioning her faith at all? <laughs> we were discussing earlier she's agnostic. Can we call her agnostic? <laughs> well, I think we were also discussing, like, oh, did she abandon him? No, she probably just went off to, you know, help, find help to help mm. Stannis. But no, she was definitely abandoning Stannis to go to John. I mean, that was teased earlier. Mm-hmm. Was it John or it's do you the think closest it's, establishment? That's yeah. It's also the closest establishment, and um, oh my god, I'm blanking on his name. Um, Davos? Davos. Davos. Thank you. Thank you. And she um, said he had a major part to play. Yeah. yeah. So we'll so, we'll absolutely uh, we'll see. I Mel Sandra has devoted her life. I think that you have to. She has to take it in that she just killed a child, child, burnt her, lit her on fire. And it didn't pay off. And she thought it did by melting the snow. I wrote down that the Lord of Light melt the snow. That's all? That's all you get from murdering your own kids? You're going to melt some snow? Really? Um, but we do lose. And then, of course, Stannis goes into battle. Yeah. That, that was making your own fate on that one, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There, there were a lot of questions. And I knew there were a lot of questions. No, there were a lot of questions in the comments last week mm-hmm. about... Um, faith in this world mm-hmm. because obviously you know we're not going to talk about faith in our world we're talking about like confined to this world um and the fact that there's so many different gods that we hear of and so many different religions that we hear of and we don't know really how many exist if any of them exist but in this particular case it seems to be clear that if melisandre really uh, black magic exists we've established that but if the lord of light was going to get them to the place they need to be, they made their own fate on this one. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Burning Shireen. Second theme of the episode. Yeah, yeah, burning you make your own bed. Well, that's, kind of, that's yeah. kind of what I'm getting at right mm-hmm. now is this was kind of like the starting point that led to the rest of the episode, which is there was a lot of comeuppance, if you will. 100%. 100%. Um, on top of that, you spoke 
Oh, Kristen, I feel like you were about oh, to I, say something. Sorry, I was just going to say, people in the chat said, oh, why did they kill Stannis' wife? They didn't kill his wife. She committed suicide after, you know, she saw her daughter burn. Uh, yeah. Understandable. Just wanted to clear yeah. that up. I'm, I'm not supporting it, but, like, that felt justified to me. I mean, I didn't think of it as a murder situation. I guess, technically, if they were abandoning, they could have, but I, I took it as suicide. suicide. It's yeah. not clarified. That is what... I'm putting on it. And not only does the wife die, but of course we go to battle. We see the overhead shots that show that Stannis is just completely outnumbered. His strategy is not going to work. They will not be sieging anything. We don't even need to see the fight because you just know how it's going to end. Yep. You see them running. You see the mm-hmm. you see I was like, that's an interesting battle formation. Um people are running backwards. <laughs> going backwards in other in opposite directions and in circles. Okay. I've never seen that one. Team take mm-hmm. formation of losing? Yeah, that's pretty mm-hmm. much that is. Also, but you, you brought up Faith, and there was something really interesting about Faith in this episode. episode. Yes. There you go. Um, <laughs> um, with regards to Faith and the price of Faith, because we mm-hmm. see Arya having to come up with her comeuppance for defying the many-faced god. We see the first kind of really really intense doubting of the Lord of Light despite doing all of the right things. There are people who doubt the Lord of Light because they just doubt and then weird things would happen to them, but this is really we see Melisandre kind of broken coming into coming yeah. up to the wall. We see Stannis questioning his beliefs. We see uh, we see Selyse just she has to pay the price. She's been dealing with this issue of, I mean, she's been in a weird mental state for most of the season and this this was a very hard thing to watch and a very hard mm-hmm. price for the yeah. belief that she adopted. And while a lot of these, I'm using what you just said, which was very well worded and I really enjoyed, thank to you. make a segue. So thank you. Yes. Um, while a lot of these characters do have belief in the religion, we then get to see Brienne give up her beliefs and go with her self oath mm-hmm. to murder, or not murder, kill Stannis on behalf of Renly. Does this defy her oath to Catelyn? Is it putting one oath above the other? Because this is the oath. For, this was her self self proclamation that she was going to avenge him. It didn't feel like it. I think from her perspective, that 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 light hasn't gone on yet. Five minutes. What are the chances? And I mean, think about it. What are the chances yeah. that the one time? I mean. Ain't it always so? One time you need <laughs> always. One time someone lights a candle in a tower, you have to go behead someone. It's just Shucks. always that way. What but, if she was in the bathroom? Yeah, what she if she was? Exactly. <laughs> but um, I don't think I didn't felt like she was breaking her oath or putting one above the other. It seemed that the likeliness that she would be called. Like, I think that her intention is to go back mm-hmm. and stare at that light. Mm-hmm. She doesn't realize that. You know, it's probably not going to happen anymore. Or the light hasn't gone out yet, and she's going to see it and go in. And then that's going to cause Very, very possible. But we do. She does swing the sword, carries it out. Oath. Another slice of Valerian steel killing a person. Goodbye, Stannis. I just want to just touch on this. If Stannis is dead, does that mean that the stag is out of Game of Thrones? Are we done with the Baratheons? Mm, No. Gendry. Right, 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 right. Okay, Who? thank you. Has to be back next season. <laughs> oh, I guess. I mean, there's no other option. Well, one, there's one peg left. I have a, I have a chart that I have to go home of all of the characters in Game of Thrones and how they relate to each other and the houses and all the different houses, and I cross them out as they die. <laughs> I'm going to have a bad night tonight. But, but it is a good point that the stags are dwindling and they yeah. have one hope left we don't know much about. And Melisandre heads off to, finally we find her, at the wall. Where that has had, I know, everyone, everyone's bending their heads in silence. Do you just want to break into that part? Do we need to say our goodbyes before we get into how this happened? No, let's, let me, I, I can't. Are I we can't. saying our goodbyes? Can we be in denial? We, I'm in denial. You guys, so. that's why I'm smiling. I'm fine, because guess what? It's fine. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Sarah. But I was crying when this happened, and I think a lot of us talked about how we always knew Ollie was going to stab It is on John. And they put up the factors for us. They take us step-by-step on how this comes to be. The number. The first thing is, Sam takes off. His loyal companion asks to go, gives a a speech that I don't think anyone could refuse. Yeah. Very justifiable moment. Great writing. 
I was like, if there was one thing that could convince me to let Sam leave, that speech was it. Yeah. Dead the Citadel plotline. They're doing the Citadel plotline. Oh, I'm so excited. I have no idea. Do you know? He's going to be a maester. Oh, yeah. That, that, I got, that I got from that speech. I'm so sad. I mean, if Sam was there, though, I don't think this would have happened, obviously. But they take out his only friend. They... Yep, they do. That was step number one. We should have seen it coming. I just, I didn't want to. It just felt so, I mean, we know this show, and we know mm-hmm. that they love to take out people who we, I don't know why I ever opened my heart up to love in this show, or ever. I don't know why I get up in the morning sometimes, <laughs> I guess. It's good. Life is terrible. But, um, at least in this world, it was, I read something that resembled a spoiler about this. Okay earlier on mm-hmm. um, because, you know, commenters will do that. And, uh, <laughs> Don't explode. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't know if, because the way it was worded, it, it was kind of fuzzy and I had decided to myself, no, that's not true. There's no way that they would do that. Of course they would. Like, of course, but of course they would. Mm-hmm. I was just like sitting there, so when it started happening I was just sitting there like, you They mess with us. They took away Sam, which should have actually been a hint, but by putting um, Benjen Stark in the opening remembering, mm-hmm. they took away any idea, at least from my mind, that um, all, that the the wildling knew about Benjen. I didn't think that was anything fake because they fooled me by putting it in the beginning and making yes. me remember him. And I thought he was going to come back. And then, of course, it was just stabbing. And I felt like that's what they were trying to do to the audience. I feel it was like, mm-hmm. haha, we're going to make you feel bad by just repeatedly stabbing someone in the gut. Did you guys see the sign, though, when he got Trey there? Yeah. yeah. Traitor, yeah. Although, um, it makes them all traitors for them doing this. Yeah. They just, they've just murdered their commander. They just betrayed all of their oaths. People losing their lives in battle to sacrifice, like, hopefully saving people is very different than going in line and repeatedly stabbing someone. Yeah. yeah. It's Those are different games. Like, they made the sign of traitor, and they are all traitors. Yeah, you said although. Was there- oh, I was just going to say, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because mm-hmm. on, on that note, we were talking earlier about Joan of Arc, and there was, mm-hmm. there's another really big, interesting uh, analogy here, or kind of a call to Julius Caesar. Down, oh, down yeah. to the Brutus moment with Ollie of d- just this whole in a line. We're doing this for the country. We don't believe in you anymore, and that's yeah. a very. They really went for that image, it, and I'm curious as to why. Down to the Brutus moment of like Ollie, or, you know, right? Like that, that's, Brut- that's a very uh, pointed Julius Caesar thing. Good call, yeah. Which, by the way, as far as you're being in denial, I, I, my money is that they're gonna do some Lord of Light stuff and bring him back. So, you guys, that's what we talked about. As soon as the crying and the tears faded, I almost threw over a chair. It was bad. It We have decided, or I'm going to stick with, John will be okay. He will be brought back to life. Um, Melisandre, although she abandoned Stannis, has now showed up at Castle Black. We have also Davos there, who can be a good protector. Melisandre's going to bring him back, because we do know the Lord of the Light has done this. When you look at the Brotherhood Without Banners, their priest, we saw the fight that the Hound had with... um, Was that Don Darien? Um... Bar- Barrack Don Terry? Uh, I'm getting tongue-tied. Because I'm so excited about Don yeah, Terry. Anyway, we have seen it happen before. That happened many times. They even... T- it was back when Arya even said, like, could you bring a dead man back to life if he doesn't have a head when she was talking about Ned? Like, right. it is possible. Melisandre has to have this power. I wanted to see her shadow come in or something, some piece of red hair drape over Jon Snow. You saw blood. Anything. Yeah. You guys, she's going to come back. She's going to save him. It has to be because he has king's blood or something, if you yeah. go with this, go with rumors. And they've just hinted far too much of what good he's done. And if this show is about karma and commitments, commitments as this whole episode has been, he does not deserve this, so he will be okay. Yeah, that is my speech. I am... Um, <laughs> as of right now, let's because I'm with you where I think that the fact that they brought Melisandre to um, the wall is an indication that if they can't bring him back, they're going to try. Mm-hmm. Or he's going to try or do to do something. Um, I saw a meme <laughs> right before we got on there that had a picture of Melisandre that said, we'll forgive you if you bring Jon Snow back. Which, and I, I also have a new favorite character if they don't, and that would be the head White Walker. Kill all of them. <laughs> all of you in particular. <laughs> um, with but, a solemn raise of his hand. With a solemn raise of his hand, Ollie goes down. But um, I... 
as of right now, we can all agree that Jon Snow is dead. Whether or not he can be resurrected is... I know, I know. I'm just... I'm trying to... I'm opening your eyes. You have to look at the truth bare in the face, and it is We haven't seen him burned... He will come back. Regardless of whether or not <laughs> he, he will can come, come back, back somehow. Regardless of whether or not he can come back, as of right this very second, he is no more. And for this reason, I am very sad. Everyone is sad. <laughs> we we <laughs> will support the Whites and the White Walkers if Jon Snow does not come back. Just Although, putting it out there. Internet, if you can come up with some clever, ironic way to work out the hashtag for the watch... <laughs> I'm on your side. <laughs> People are saying they'll forgive Melisandre if she brings John back. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on board for this. You guys, if that wraps up our our, our season, our season oh, finale, we got six huge deaths talking about Trant, Stannis, Miranda, John, Marcella, and Solis. Mostly just have focus on the John part because that's what people care about. Oh, don't talk to me. We are not going to be able to do predictions, but as it is the finale, let's talk just a tiny bit about overall season thoughts. Okay. This is the end of season yeah. five. Hmm. Just to give you guys a little bit of a quick summary, this isn't everything, of what happened this season. We got to see Tommen try and be king. I'm saying try because I don't think he did very well. We finally got to see Tyrion and Varys flee. They get across the Narrow Sea. Um, we get Tyrion and Jorah back with Daenerys. Jaime meets the Sand Snakes. That was all new this season. In Dormy also gets San- Sansa married Ramsay and had a horrific what night. Um, Stannis murders slash sacrifices his daughter. John became commander and let the wildlings south of the wall and got stabbed. And Arya has been in training. Has she completed that training? Who knows? And obviously the whites have attacked. Yeah. This is kind of where we're at. This is not even including things like the High Sparrow and Sons of the Harpy and now Daenerys rides a dragon. Yeah, there was a this lot. This season has had a lot. How is it living up for you guys for the series, for in comparison to seasons past? Do you have any gut feelings? Jarrett in the chat wants to know what our personal favorite episodes were. and Ever? Uh, no, this season. And But also, I would like to say that I feel like episode 10 was amazing this season. I mean, normally yeah. it's episode 9 with all Eight, the deaths. 8, 9, 10. Yeah. Great building. Yes. Um, amazing. I think that I was not expecting this. I wasn't even expecting 9 to be as good because 8 was good. And they, to me, honestly, they built on each episode. I have to give it to them. I think that there was a lot of organization. There was a lot of frustrations I was having with characters. I was hating seeing Tom and Rule as king. Daenerys was making kind of mistakes. <gasps> Stop gasping like that. That's <laughs> horrific. <laughs> Something horrible that someone read in an interview. Oh no! <laughs> don't know. <laughs> is it a spoiler? Or? Stop. No, it'll just ruin our predictions. I'm just not going to say okay, it. Okay. I'm just going to cry over here. Besides the fact, I want to say that the end of this season I thought was great. I'm going to have to evaluate whether or not I think it's my favorite season. I, although not everyone agrees with me, I still think that season one was fantastic because they've been able to build on like the scale. Of yeah. like episodes like Red Wedding and Blackwater Bay, all of this. But for me, that first season established characters that we loved, and that's the truth of a show. Yeah. So, um, what do you guys think about season five? Biggest pet wow. peeves, biggest favorite Here. scenes. This is what I will hmm. say about season five. I know I read a lot about the first few episodes, and a lot of people's complaints were, "Oh, it's too slow." Oh, there, you know, there was a lot of discussion about. Um, kind of a lot of showing instead of telling or what have you and a, a lot of talk but mm-hmm. what most people seem to say even when we were talking about the um the, the pace not yeah not not really the pace but um the kind of explanations that they were giving was that this show is excellent it's a chess game it is a beautiful beautiful chess game sometimes an awful chess game to watch of um moves and counter moves and they set this season up so beautiful. They had to do it the first few episodes. It's the way all of the seasons are built. And if that's the case, if that's the like trajectory of seasons, the payoff was so excellent that I think it's a wonderful whole. You know what I mean? Like the, the way all of the seasons are set up are the first few episodes you have to kind of establish what's going on within the world so that 
it's all about the payoff. And this was the last three episodes were so freaking tense and fast paced and unpredictable, but not necessarily gratuitous and pushing the boundaries, but not being mm-hmm. indulgent. Or at least I don't think so. I thought it was a really great season. I'm with you. I loved season one. I watched it within like a day because I was late to the races. I missed season mm-hmm. one. And it's because, first of all, Ned Stark, who to this day, of rest course. in peace. But they did such an excellent job of setting up a world that they could. They built a foundation that we are still so connected to, despite mm-hmm. all of the deaths and all of the moving around and all of the betrayal. It's so easy to lose interest. It's so easy to fall off the map. But they've kept us because of the foundation they set up in season one, so that they can be this excellent in season five. People want to know where we thought Ghost was. Ghost. Ghost. Where? Yeah. Last time we saw Ghost was he came to the rescue of Sam. Sam. So he is, I believe, at Castle Black, um, where he was with Jon Snow. If the next season opens with Ghost Dead, I will not be happy. Um, But that is a very good question, because you would assume that he would be able to. Uh, YouTube? Season five, any Um, any feelings? Go ahead, I'm new. I'll I'll take take a back seat. I loved season five, personally. I mean, I liked the Sand Snakes. They were a bit disappointing. I hope we get them more. But, I mean, I felt like once we got to season, to episode eight, like you said, Sarah, it really built mm-hmm. up, and I was excited. I did miss Bran a little bit. Some people in the chat are saying he's boring, but I feel like he just got to the point where he's not going to be boring because he can warg, mm-hmm. and I am excited to see that next season. Gendry. But I just, a lot of people are saying about, just mentioning the Kit thing, Jon Snow, one more time. Some people are saying he gave interviews saying he's not coming back, but that they don't believe it because it would kind of be, you know, a whole, like, marketing gimmick. Because then other people in the chat said that his, like, contract's being negotiated for next season. He was one of the names being negotiated. So it's, like, back and forth. Who knows? Who knows? I will say that if Kit Harrington walks away from this and they have to actually kill his character because of bad contract negotiations... I will be very angry. Oh, I, I don't think that's it. I don't I, think it, I'm just saying. I definitely I don't, don't think, think that's, that's it. it. Because, nah. But, like, people... I'm hoping that it is a marketing ploy and a rumor to get people back in and not knowing. And so it's not spoiled whether or not he's out or not. But if ever it turned out that it was because of negotiations, I'd be upset. I don't yeah. think it will be. No, you don't leave a hit like that. Yeah. The, like, the audience will never forgive you. <laughs> and it's... I just don't believe that he would do that. I mean, granted, I'm sure shooting that White Walker sequence was hell. Like, I'm sure that that was the least fun thing to shoot in the world, but I just don't think it looked so cool. It did look so cool. If Jon Snow is dead, it does raise a very interesting question, because I think in all of it, especially the marketing, we've seen a lot of the marketing of pictures of Kit Harington and Amelia Clark, and kind of we've set up this thing of the ice and the fire, or Jon Snow and Daenerys, but then if Jon really is dead and he's out of the picture, then it leaves this nice big opening, maybe for Bran, I'm hoping for Bran, because then he can vorg into hopefully White so Walkers. Did you I have miss lots of Bran theories. in season five. <laughs> I, I did miss Bran, but there was a feeling that I, I understood. They told us in advance he wasn't going to be there, and I was prepared for that. And in the okay. books, there wasn't anything new that was coming out. But about the season as a whole, this was a very interestingly paced season because you had plot lines moving relatively quickly, even even through the talking. Like they had yeah. Varys delivering chunks of exposition, just galloping the pace forward. But then the Dornish plot line is really slow, and, and you know we. Don't don't know a whole lot about Doran Martell yet and what his master plan mm-hmm. is and all that stuff. And the pacing has been so interesting leading up to these last three episodes, which, as we've said, were phenomenally paced. The information was doled out okay. so nicely. I agree. I mean, season five, amazing. It's been amazing having all of you guys with us yes. as listeners, as commenters. Like, we love talking with you on the chat. Thank you, Kristen, for being a computer lady today. You guys are so active My pleasure. and amazing. I am going to throw this out. You might have heard us say this last week. But we need you to do also a quick, quick survey. Go to podcastone.com and tell our bosses what you think about the show. We want to know what you like, what you want us to do better. It doesn't take long at all, and we'd be so appreciative. Um, mm-hmm. It'd really just be awesome for us. Again, that is podcastone.com. Before we leave for, what is it going to be, like eight months? Like an absurd eternity. <laughs> That's how long? Crazy. You guys, it's been great doing the show with you. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you so much we for now having me. We go around the table and we give out our Twitters and places people can find us. Um, Kristen, would you like to start? Hey guys, I'm Kristen Elizabeth Snyder. You can follow me at Cinematic Escape on Twitter and on Instagram, I'm Cinematic underscore Escape. 
And I am Autumn Chicklis. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at my name, at Autumn Chicklis. Hi, I'm Dorian Taylor. You can find me on Instagram at Dorian underscore Taylor. Nice to meet you. There you go. <laughs> and thank you for letting me host with you guys today. I'm Sarah Stratton. I don't have a Twitter, but you can look out for, like, Kyle's and Ryan's. They both have them. And bug them for not being here, but not too hard. They had good reasons. Um, we love them. We miss them. We love you guys. And thank you so much for staying tuned with us. And we'll see you in about eight months in an eternity. <laughs> Everyone go into mourning, as Autumn says. <laughs> yeah, I'll be in a hole. Bye, guys. <laughs> see you in a year. <laughs> From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz. See you later. later. Views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.